Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Hey, Adam Carolla fans. Are you aware that Adam Carolla Show has created its very own smart speaker daily flash briefing? That's right. You can now get the Adam Carolla Show daily brief sponsored by NetSuite by Oracle on your Amazon and Google devices. It's very easy to find on your Google Home device. Just say, hey, Google, play the Adam Carolla Show daily brief. And your Amazon Alexa devices, just go to skills and games in the menu of the Amazon Alexa app and add the Adam Carolla Show daily brief. Then, you guessed it, just say, hey, Alexa, play the Adam Carolla Show daily brief. Once you're all set up, you can get hilarious daily clips from the Ace Man, all brought to you by our great partner, NetSuite. There's enough uncertainty to go around right now. NetSuite reduces it by giving you visibility and control. At NetSuite by Oracle, we give you a full picture of your business in real time. Receive your free guide now at netsuite.com slash adam. That is netsuite.com slash adam. Hey, I've got a surprise for you today. I'll explain how you can get a free bottle of the most patented probiotic supplement on the market. They are the Navy Seal of probiotics. I take them every day. So 99% of the over-the-counter probiotics don't colonize your gut as they claim. That's unfortunately the truth. In fact, many studies now show that uh, the most probiotics just pass right on through. But we do need those good bacteria to fight the bad ones. And you've heard me talk about P3OM before, something I take. That's why I'm excited to get you your free bottle that BiOptimizer is giving you today. And what, of course, makes their strain different, amongst other things, is their proteolytic process. It eliminates pathogens. It's not meant to colonize necessarily. Once in your body, the P3OM Super Strain doubles every 20 minutes and helps you get rid of the bad guys before it is eliminated safely. And it's just one proven probiotic strain that is effective and it's been patented. What it does better than any other strain is fight the bad bugs. Now here's the crazy part. You can get a bottle for free. That's right. The boys at Bioptimizer are giving away a free bottle. Well, the guys and gals at Bioptimizer are giving away a free bottle. There's no tricks, no forced continuity, nothing to cancel. They are so confident in their product that they are offering a 365-day money-back guarantee. As I said, I take this every day. It's an irresistible offer. You just have to cover a small shipping fee. I strongly suggest you head over to their site, grab your bottle before they either run out or take down this offer. Go to p3om.com slash drewfree. D-R-E-W-F-R-E-E. That is P3, the number 3, om.com forward slash Drew Free, all one word, and you will automatically get access to your unique coupon code to claim your free bottle. Limit one per household. Offer is valid only while supplies last. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dr. Podcast. Keep the winds and the sails of those Corolla... <laughs> the sales of the Corolla Pirate Ship. Support the people that support us. Uh, don't forget stuff going on at drdrew.com after dark, of course, is there. And you can find a streaming show we do on a regular basis. And sign up at drdrew.tv. Sign up for our contact list. A lot going over on the website. Please join me there. Speaking of joining me, it's a privilege to bring, bring back Sophia Silva. You can Her website is sophiasilva, S-I-L-V-A.org. Uh, also, all the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram is at sophiasilvaorg. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. So last time we had you, you were full throttle positive psychologist. And I not I was not really my orientation. I was sort of fascinated by it. And I've okay. kind of kept an eye on it ever since. And I've read and watched a lot of stuff by, now I'm blanking on his name, the uh, founder of all this out there in Pennsylvania. Martin Seligman. Martin Seligman. Yes. And uh, he's got some interesting ideas and some you know and since then this is funny you know who uh graduated from his program was yakov smirnov the comedian do you know oh. who yakov smirnov is mm. yakov smirnov was a famous Educate comedian <laughs> yakov smirnov was a i had him here right i think so he's yeah. definitely been on adam's show yeah he was a famous comedian in the 70s because he's like he escaped the Soviet Union, and he's like an okay. uber Russian. And he he <laughs> came here and started making fun of Russians, and he became this very famous comedian. Okay, I think t- I know who you're talking about. During a time of great tension with the Soviet Union at the time, and uh, he went back and got a positive psychology degree, and now he's all mm-hmm. about positivity. I have to check him out. Uh, but uh, tell me a little bit about again. Let's review positive psychology, and you have pivoted since then. And we'll talk about how that happened, what that means. So you want me to talk a little bit about what positive psychology is? Yeah, yeah. So First. what it is, is is really, so what the researchers do is they look at people who are living happy, healthy lives. So, so well-being, right? 
and they see what what are these people doing that others are not, and so they use that and then create interventions so that people can increase their well being. And would this be a cognitive psychology? Are you teaching people something, or is it cognitive behavioral? We are sort of adjusting their thinking. Uh, that can play into it, but there's different kinds of interventions. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's like a CBT or anything n- like that. Not per se. It's not a structured program. Um, no, there's if not that I'm aware of. Uh, I've seen some things that have started to come out. I, I don't know if you have more information no, on no, that. No, no, I'm not. But it's not that structured yet, as far as I know. Okay. And so, w- when you were working in it, what, what kinds of interventions would you use? So when I so. I, let me back you were a, a student little. in it. You were, yeah, I was a yeah. student in it, and I was actually studying positive organizational psychology. Um, and then when I had come out, I had been doing interviews, and I had been doing some consulting work with organizations. And what's interesting, positive organizations, like healthy organizations? Healthy, yeah, happy so organizations? How, yeah, so how can we reduce uh, recidivism? How can we hire people that align with uh, the, the goals of that organization? How can people be uh, more productive at work? Uh, how can we reduce, you know, time off because illnesses, things like that. And can you summarize how you did that? Uh, so I would go in and do workshops and work with, with teams and do team building activities. So just how do you function better as a team? Yeah, and looking at the the strengths of the team. So what do you guys uh, enjoy about each other? What are some of the, for example, if I'm working with you, what do I? what are your strengths that you bring to the table? And how can we build on that instead of, looking at like a the opposite of that would be a, a toxic work environment right yeah uh where people are yelling at each other and there's the, the blame game and people don't want to come into work and all that stuff and, and you guys wouldn't try to if you encountered something like that you wouldn't try to superimpose positive psychology on that kind of an environment uh or like, would you well we'd have to kind of address what some of the issues are and then move towards got it so you, would, you, would, you would look at these dysfunctional interactions and Correct. try to bring out what's happening here. Correct. And yeah. So just to clarify, positive psychology isn't people think it's like, oh, all, it's all like rainbows and happy and we don't look at problems. That's not true. Uh, positive psychology wants to build on what's already working well, uh, but not necessarily focusing solely on problems. And, and it seems so cognitive when, when I think about it, like you're, you're sort of thinking about it, looking at it, identifying it, writing it down, bringing it out and talking about it, that, that feels pretty purely cognitive. It may have emotional consequences, mm-hmm. but now you've pivoted to what? So now I've pivoted to uh, addiction. So so I'm working as a therapist now in the field of uh, substance Good luck with positive treatment. psychology there. <laughs> you know, I do, uh, I do use interventions with my clients, uh, Focusing on what their strengths are. So, so one of the things that I like to use is a strengths inventory, a character strengths inventory. And they really like doing that because we're really focused on character defects, right? And, and what's wrong with you and the problems, which they need to be addressed. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it's kind of nice to see that, you know, I'm still a human and I have good things about me. Right. Uh, so that's one of the interventions from positive psychology that I use is to see what the character's strengths are and how they can use more of that in their daily lives at I've, work with their relationships. And what's the setting for, is it in like a residential treatment center or? Yeah. Are? So, so the company I work for, uh, Hotel California by the Sea, we, we do all levels of treatment. So there's detox, residential, outpatient. We Did that used to be sober by the sea? Um, it used to be, um, yeah, sober living by the sea. Yeah. 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 So it's the same, same place. And and they always had really good, um, educational and vocational rehab and stuff like that. Is that still there? Yeah. So we have a couple different tracks. Uh, we work with executives, male executives, which is like a 30 and up track. Then there's a specialized program for women and there's a young adult program. And that's where we really focus on the career development. So they get help. Uh, creating resumes, going on job interviews, and helping with those life skills to reintegrate. And what group do you like working with best? I like all of them, but I really do enjoy the young adults. Uh, there's different challenges. Yeah. So that population uh, has been very much of a conundrum for people that have been in this field for a long time, like myself. Uh, and I, I can only uh, characterize it as a listlessness or something like they like the the classic interaction is you know my counselors are like 
come on, what do you want to do? You don't, you don't sit sit in the basement at your dad's basement for your life smoking right. pot. And the response always is, I don't know. What do you want me to do? <laughs> what do I want you to do? Like there's no spontaneous kind of inspiration to be in the world. Are you encountering that? Uh, yes. <laughs> and, then, and therefore no reason to get sober because, yeah. hey, man. And Who it can be frustrating. Yeah. yeah. It can be very frustrating. And that's why we really try to develop that internal motivation, right? Help people want it for themselves. How do you get that? Well, you know, that's tough. There's it's a combination, <laughs> right? So there's a combination of, of therapy, group therapy, uh, pharmacotherapy. Um, but we also work a lot with families. That's a big emphasis that we have on, on educating them, helping them set boundaries and really helping them help their children. Because uh, that's an area that we see that they really struggle. Because it's like, obviously, if I, uh, if my mom tells me I can come back home and live in her basement and she's going to pay all my bills, why, why would I want to get sober? But these days, people can live on the streets and maintain their disease quite easily, too. That's true. And die, which is sort right. of typically what happens. Right. Yeah, it's sad. It's more than sad. It's a crime, right. humbly. Uh, and, and it's being perpetrated by people who don't understand these conditions. Mm-hmm. Drive you crazy? It does. It's funny that you asked that because I've I've been saying that for a while, and <laughs> my friends will send me videos of you. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yeah, someone's saying the same thing that I've been thinking. It's driving me crazy. Yeah, it's really frustrating. I, I'm, I literally am fine with us saying, "Hey, heroin addicts, use all the heroin you want," but you better have a nurse administer that because and monitor it because if left to their own devices, they will die. Period. It's a fatal illness. So if you're going to say it's okay to go use all you want and you're just going to sacrifice these people's lives, okay. But you have to do certain things because they're sick. They're ill. Right. Oh, my God. And I think it's a bigger issue than – I mean it's a societal issue, right? It's affecting all of us. You mean what's going – the genocide on our streets. Right. It affects Mm. everyone. It's not just like I can turn a blind eye and pretend like that's But most people don't know – they clearly don't know what they're looking at. They, most yeah. people look at it as, oh, they just these are poor people that need housing. No. Right. No. no. If, our patients, well, um, without me leading the witness, <laughs> if you put our patients into just give them four walls, let's take the off street and say you have to stay here in these four walls, what's going to happen to our patients? Yeah, they're, they're, that's not going to work. <laughs> I mean, the sense of reality, right, when you look at time, place, orientation, what's, what's going on, uh, it's not – not lucid, right? They're not, yeah, they're not thinking themselves. the same yeah, way. Yeah, they're not themselves. Right. right. And so what, when they're in these safe environments and doing their thing. Well, one thing that I get too, like I've had people, you know, be frustrated if someone, their loved one has, let's say, bipolar, right? And they're like, well, they're not taking their meds. Well, if no one's monitoring that and, you know, helping them to, to do that. You're not allowed right. to. Right. You're not so allowed to. <laughs> Which is what's insane. I see the frustration uh, in your eyes. And, and the, our patients that I start describe going to these condominiums, their death rate's going to skyrocket. Because now they're just free to use it. Go to town. Now there's going to be just dead people all over these condos. Perfect. Well done, everybody. Well done. That, that, that's helping everybody. And I, sometimes I believe they, they don't care. They almost want them to be dead or something. It, it feels like that. They just don't care. I don't know. I can't. I, I mean, I just don't know. It just it seems like crazy to me. It seems really I, crazy. Does anybody disagree with you and me that knows these <laughs> patients? I, I don't think so. I think no. we're all on the same page on that. Um, I really wish we we would be able to provide better care and, and follow up care and, and follow these people and help our patients. You know, there's another interesting thing that I, I encountered uh, recently. And, and you're, you're, what you just said triggered me on this is uh, I got my X waiver to give Suboxone, right? Although I'm not a big fan with all these people dying, I feel like, okay, we got to do something. Uh, I am a fan of naltrexone, both the long acting and the shot and the implantables mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I'm a big fan of that. When you, ta- when you take the course to be wavered to prescribe these things, they go, well, naltrexone works. It really works, except it's no good because we, you lose the patient to follow up. And I thought, that's because you're a shitty doctor. <laughs> You don't you, exactly what you described was keeping them engaged, getting their community right. around, engaged in their family. That's how you keep them engaged. You don't just hand them a medication and go, "You're on your way. You're done." You have to engage, and you have to know how to do that, and have to build the community that can capture that. Right. That's good practice, and then 
guess what? You don't lose them, and then Altrexone works. We, right. And that's actually one of the reasons why we, we and my, my employer tries to really follow up with our clients. Um, do you have a big after, alumni group? We do. That's part of the way so, you catch it, right? Yeah. So we have an alumni group, and we actually have uh, client advocates that meet with our clients from the very beginning at Detox, and right. they the, follow the, them through. The warm handoff. The handshake. Right. Welcome. Right. Yeah. And takes them to meetings. And, and that's part of, right, going to meetings mm-hmm. and building that sober social support and part of the family work that we do as well. So the family knows, you know, is more educated on this. And where is that program? Uh, we're in Newport and Huntington. Yeah. And so there's lots of recovery down there. I don't know if it goes yeah. all the way up to Huntington, but it goes down into Laguna. It's yeah. San, San Clemente. Certainly. Yeah. And all the way up to Huntington. Yeah, okay. It's everywhere. Yeah. And, it's, and there's a long, and they got a lot of good sober livings out there too, which is yeah. nice, which very few communities have, but uh, that area has. All right. Well, good. So you're working at, how'd you get involved with them? Oh, it was kind of uh, by chance. It was an accident thing. So I was doing the work that, that I told you earlier and I wasn't super in love with it. I was like, you know, this is cool. You were an advocate last time I saw you. You're an enthusiast more than an advocate. <laughs> yeah, and, and I do enjoy it. I have, I have many interests. Um, but I just didn't feel like that deep connection with it. And I knew various people that had been in the program and worked in the industry. And they said, why don't you try this out? So I went on an interview. And I had no idea how anything worked. And they go, uh, can you run a group for us? I was like, what? What is, what is a group? So they just kind of threw me in there, sink or swim, and I, I just loved it. I, yeah. I picked it up, and I loved it. Did uh, I just ran groups for about a year, and that's when I decided to go back to school uh, to get my doctorate because mm-hmm. I knew I just – I was like, okay, I want to go the clinical route, and I can see myself doing this for a while. You need a PhD or a PsyD? PsyD. Excellent for this work. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not too much of a researcher. <laughs> right. As people don't understand that the, the PhD is, has a bunch of bench science attached to it, and the PsyD is a clinical degree. And I've worked with a lot of PsyDs that are very, very, very well trained. And if, if you know that's what you want to do, it's a great way to go. Yeah, yeah. I took some time to make that decision, but I'm really happy with it. I'm really happy with the work that I'm doing. And I'm still integrating the positive psychology. Where, where is the PsyD? Where are you getting that? Uh, California Southern University. Oh, yeah. California Southern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not on there, huh? <laughs> no. Where, is that in the one in Alhambra? No, it's one? in Orange County. Orange County. Okay, yeah. got it. All right. And as you as you look at the challenges for drug addiction, what are you what are you up against? What do you see? What bothers you? Other than the stuff I've been complaining about so far. That's my <laughs> stuff. <laughs> uh I on it I think it's the same same issues that you have with it, honestly. Um one of my biggest frustrations is that inability to be able to help people when they're in a crisis, state of crisis and they don't want the help. I think that's the most frustrating thing to have to inform a family member like, hey, your loved one left and there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, I, I think we have to begin thinking about denial differently and maybe the laws will catch up with that. I, I, I've been thinking a lot about the the phenomenon of denial and the lack of insight that particularly addicts have mm-hmm. when they're in deep in trouble. And there's a neurological phenomenon called anosognosia, right. which is a block. It's actually a block. It's a parietal function that is not working. And I started thinking about some of the denial I've seen over the years. And I remember saying, my God, it's almost biological. It's, it feels biological the way they're behaving. Yeah, almost like compulsive. Well, like, like, no, like, like for instance, for instance, the, the re, to me the great example was something we would amuse ourselves with. My nurse and I, we'd <laughs> we'd come into the room. We go, you know, what I want to know what's motivating them, why they're here, what you know, how, how likely we are to make progress, and um, that changes. It does changes, but I I, <laughs> I know where we're starting. You know, we're starting because you just nearly died and you're ready, or because your wife got pissed at you and you're drinking a little too much. Right. Um, but the f- ones that would just 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 stand out for me is where I'd, I'd open the chart and I'd see something on the chart that was specific about how they got here. Oh. And then I'll ask the patient, I'll go, uh, so why are you here? And they'd just launch into this BS. Oh, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. You don't know how bad it is to be here. I go, yeah, yeah. How about the judge that sent you here from court? Would do not pass go. They sent you here with the sheriffs. Did that have anything to do with why you're, oh, yeah, 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 that. But really, I'm here for myself. And it's like, Wow. I mean, the massive, massive denial f- feels like a lack of insight that's really – they can't see it. 
Yeah, it's hard to make sense of it, right? You like want to understand it. It's biological. (laughs) That has to be biological then because it doesn't have a psychological basis to it. It's not a learning. It's not a cognitive thing. They're smart people sitting here. But Mm -hmm. thinking, the thinking is disturbed because the perceptions aren't there of what has just happened to them. That's anisognosia. That's like what schizophrenics get. It's what stroke patients get. And it's what it's what is the foundation of of some of the denial we see out there. Right. I think, uh, and so I, I wish we if we thought of it more that way, I think maybe we would have more luck in having laws that can help us in these situations you're talking about. That's yeah. Where, that's, if somebody's really a danger. They're gravely disabled. They're dangerous. They're not saying they're going to kill themselves. They're dangerous, and we should be able to do something. I mean, there's you're probably very well familiar with this. I mean, you have way more experience than I do. But we, I've had situations where you know people have been taken to a hospital and they get discharged right away, or you know, we. Oh, you mean like on a, a hold or something? Right, oh. or they don't even take them on the hold oh, because yeah. they're not severe enough. And I'm yeah, thinking so, so, this is very severe. So gravely disabled doesn't exist effectively. They have to say, "I'm going to kill myself or kill somebody else." Right. If they say under their breath, I'm just kidding, that's it, you're out. Right, and I've seen that firsthand. that's typical. That's routine now. If All they have to say is, uh, hey, I'm living in a tent over here, I'm going to stay on my brother's couch, whatever, and I know where McDonald's is, and that's it. Yeah. They're out. I just feel bad for for families going through this. Yes. You know, because there's a bill in front of the California Senate to help this out. So get these, and it's from Orange County. Okay, and you should get the families involved. It's called SB six forty. And yes, the, I've heard you talk about that. Yes, get okay. them get them to call Senator Morlock and get behind him okay. and go in there and go up to the Senate and scream about it. And you know, you're they're killing these people's children. Yeah, it's it's sad. It really is. God, it makes me angry. It, it makes me so angry. Where, I know. where are the other clinicians? Why aren't they involved in? I don't know. They're just too busy. Do, it's everyone's too busy, right? Everyone's too busy yeah, to try to help the cases they've got. And, and yeah, they, that they, can be that can and, be a and, handful. And, and, yeah, and you in live and, in the, and you just live in the context legally that we're stuck with, and that's that. Well, I'm you know I'm not doing good, that. <laughs> good well, to get those families out there. Yes. So, is there as you've gone through your training and, and you've gotten involved in this field, anything interest you? Anything surprise you? What has stood out? Like as you like take me back to that first group. Was was it like whoa? Oh yeah, yeah. So one of the things that really drew me was uh, drew me to it was it was totally different than the work that I had been doing before. So the organizational yes. psych is very much you go into an organization and everyone's just kind of following the rules, being very polite, like yes, you know, everything's very organized. Um, and then you show up to treatment, and it's it's the opposite, right? It's a little chaotic. A little, <laughs> very chaotic, and that's that's what that's re- what treatment is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I I loved it from day one. I kind of knew I was like, this is this is where I belong. Um, I just find that I I enjoy being able to help people through those moments. And there's some uh, something about me. I don't know what it is. It doesn't. I, I can stay calm through that, and I'm okay with it. Um, are you are you uh, were you surprised at the obfuscation and lying and all that nonsense and the splitting behaviors at the beginning? <laughs> um, I will say one of the other things I like about it is that there's always something new, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Just when I think I've seen and heard it all, right. then something new comes up. I, I have advice for you. <laughs> I have advice for you because, because that will always be the case yeah. no matter how long you're in this field. Yeah. Cultivate the word whatever. <laughs> Because <laughs> you will hear things, see things. You just got to go. Anything is possible with the human being with this disease, right? And so it's whatever. Yeah. Here we go. I, yeah, I, that's what happened. Okay, whatever. Yeah, and I think that go. works for me because I, I enjoy the, the the newness of it, the novelty of it. Um, it is. It is for me. It's a window into the workings of all the other parts of the brain when your motivational system is broken. Yeah, you're right. Because all the thinking's fucked up, all the emotions are uh, all over the place. Yeah, the, the relating to other people yes. is completely disrupted. How they deal with us, yeah, the motivation. Caretake. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's all because their motivation's broken. Because right. the motivation is saying use, 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 use. Right. I will you, do anything to use. That's what the brain is saying. That's what the brain is saying beneath consciousness, and the right. rest of the brain is going. I sure would like to see my friend Susie. Oh, you mean the one that used to score heroin with? You want to go see her? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't want heroin. I just want to see Susie. 
the tricks that the disease plays on the brain to get them to go use. Yeah. Puts them in situations, make, motivates them to do things they wouldn't otherwise do. Oh, yeah. They we get face to, that every day. Of course. <laughs> and gets them to the point where now they're using. And that's what the brain wanted. It may yeah. be what the person wanted. It's what the brain wanted. Yeah, so that I see that's a lot of the work that I try to help my clients with, right, through through the CBT, DBT, uh, mindfulness. I, I really focus a lot on mindfulness as well to try to slow down that process and, and stop it before it gets to that point where now you have no resources and you're, you're going to use, right? Do you do DBT individually or group or both? Um, both. Yeah, yeah, DBT to me seems like something that I, – I, my patients would not put up with CBT. They're, they're too sick. Really? They're too sick. They can sit still for it. They're too desperate. I, 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 I deal with people that are really. In I feel like you have. Okay. But, but, but DBT, they could. Okay. Because you're you certain, get creative. Maybe, maybe you, <laughs> maybe you can kind of know how to do it. Um, but DBT, you're going to go. Hey, hey, stop. Think. What? What? What's he, what? What have you done here? What are we experiencing? They can do that yeah. for a second, but they can't. Like, they have no patience with getting into a. Changing the cognition. Yeah. Yeah, And that's where I try to use a lot of mindfulness and more of like the mind body approach where Mm -hmm. it's like, because I've had, I just had a client this week who started to escalate, escalate, escalate in session. And so I said, stop. What, do you notice what's going on? No, I, I can't tell when this is happening, right? That you're not aware of the, the, the cognitions. So what, what are you feeling in your body? Well, I'm getting caught. My teeth are, I'm grinding my teeth. I'm clenching my teeth. Okay. Let's go off of that. Let's take a few deep breaths. Perfect. Yeah. And so I, I feel like that, can really work really well with, with some people. What percentage of your patients do you think have trauma? A lot. <laughs> Majority. Yeah. Majority. 98%? Yeah. I don't Probably. know the ex- yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I can't give an exact number, but yeah. If they're, at least on the inpatient side, it's going to be got to be high, like nearly 100%. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the um, challenges, art, artistry in this treatment field is trying to decide when and how to deal with the trauma stuff. Right. Do you have any theory for that? Well, the way that, that we take we do that, we approach it, is that we we wait till the person's stabilized. So right. at least thirty days. At least. Um, and we actually offer EMDR. That's that's one of the approaches start, that we use. Start doing EMDR that, that early? Thirty days? It depends. It really depends on the client but that's our minimum time. Right. Um I myself don't do EMDR, but but we offer that. Have you ever wanted to do that? To get trained in that? Uh, eventually, yeah, I gotta finish school. <laughs> oh, they they won't give you the training at, at school. Oh no, I'm saying that's my goal. Is I'm writing my dissertation right now, so I'm, I I want to finish that and, and then do MDR. MDR yeah, training. yeah, yeah. Okay, got yeah, because that's uh, very useful stuff. But yeah. it, but it, when to apply it and how deeply to get into it? It's, sometimes I think it should be a year for people because uh, they just got to get they just got to get the basics down. They got to live right. a certain kind of life. They have to right. be engaged in a certain way. Right. I mean, I have no objection to people doing it in one month or three months, but. No, I think you're yeah. right, and that's why we kind of take it case by case and yeah. see if the person is stable enough to do it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we really monitor them. They're they're getting two sessions a week. So it, does insurance pay for this stuff? Yeah. You don't, you don't, yes. Uh, on the outpatient side, I mean, I'm not in charge of billing, no, so I, I don't know how that works. I understand, but, but yes, <laughs> but no, but you're the the organization is is surviving. Yes. Yeah, because it, it was always hard to get resources for drug addicts. Very hard. At least to get the real treatment. I, I can't speak to you're that. Not, you're not so. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah. Uh, in, a, in a future episode, I'm going to talk to a hospital administrator who has to work on all that stuff. So I'm okay. going to ask him about it, an attorney. Um, do you have any well, – let's, let's ask this question. Uh, 12-step has been under attack for quite some time. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that? Oh, that, that's that's. Or are a tough you aware question. of that? Or are you? Are you <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm aware of that. I know yeah. there's even been documentaries out yeah. there that are attacking it, saying mm-hmm. that there's like predators at these meetings, mm-hmm. um, which that does happen. I'm not going to deny that, um, but I do think it's a great resource. Uh, it's, it, I mean, it it provides a sober social support, that safety net, and there. I think like anything, there's good meetings and there's bad meetings, right? Yeah, and there are meetings that people don't relate to, and but. But uh, but I, I would say that they're just not enough of you on earth, therapist, yeah. to sit on and structure what these people need in the early parts of their recovery. And people who have been – I'm using recovery words – been sat on by other people when they were in need now are happy to do that for somebody else. Mm-hmm. It, it, in fact, keeps them sober being of service right, that way. right. 
and the just the manpower necessary to keep somebody st- sober it's, people have to be on top of them all the time and we don't have enough professionals on earth to do what's necessary to really right. capture that person. This is back to what I was saying about losing patients to follow up and stuff. Well, there's you, not a system in place for it. You couldn't do it. Just does not practice. Not of dollars to do that. Right. But there is this army of people that want to do it. Right. And we'll do it. And they're available on every street corner. And there is a website you can get. I'll come pick you up. And and it's constant. It's and throughout the day. All day long. All day every long. day of the week. Yeah. All day long. And, uh, and people happy to ha- to have you and to support you and to help you. Get through the, whatever tough time you're going through. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't. There's not enough professionals. There's no way we could do that ever. Just it would be, it'd be a million dollars per treatment. More than that, it'd be five million dollars <laughs> per treatment, right? And and it's just. And why do that? Because th- this is this is then the, kind of the magic of all this. Then that person that gets through this time will turn around and do that for somebody else. That's mm-hmm. part of the the recovery is getting them to be available to other people. Right. And, and not be thinking about themselves all the time. Right. Getting out of your head. It's all a wonderful thing. Yeah. And and now I don't know if you know, but there is uh, – well, we had to pull these uh, – the talks out I did with uh, Humphreys and Kelly, John Kelly and Keith Humphreys, the, the podcast I did. We're going to be releasing old podcasts. Maybe we'll pull yours all out. Okay. Um, but I would love to bring the John Kelly and the Keith Humphreys one back out again. Because they both have uh, been looking at the evidence basis for 12-step. Turns out it is as effective or more than any other intervention if abstinence is your goal. And that's pretty new, right? Because I know for a while there wasn't a lot of research on 12-step there, there, there was a lot of disparate research, but these guys did some meta-analyses and did okay. a Cochrane study. And, and it's, it's very clear. It, what's, and it confirms what we all know. Right, which is this works now. It's, there, is not, I'm not, and I've never said that there is no need for professionalized services. There is lots of it. And there's room for everyone, right? There's, or there's different I, I, there's people serve for, different needs, and, and and different patients have different um, needs, as you say. But I, I just am very strong in if, if if abstinence is the goal, which is that what you guys are basically yeah. doing? Do you do uh, harm avoidance therapies? You must do some. Yeah. Yeah. How do you do that? Well, we we really do more. Well, let me go back on that. We yeah. we really are abstinent based oh, really? program strictly. Yeah. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. We don't do harm reduction. Oh, good for you because I I I've sort of capitulated to the idea that because really because of the homeless population that we're going to have to do some harm avoidance some, here. Yeah, we're some have harm, to do yeah. Um, I but saw, hmm? I saw they're doing something in San Francisco with like some tent. They're setting up something, some harm reduction. Yeah, tent you, to get people off the streets when they're high. Yeah, there's a know. lot of on the street type yeah. stuff going on, including Sorry, trying to give long acting antipsychotics <laughs> to the psychotic people and stuff, and and that will do something. I'm not quite sure what, but it will do something uh, because they need a bit more than that. Even the people that are the housing first people talk about wraparound services, which is all you give at uh, uh, Hotel California by the Sea. Those are wraparound services, which are. Used to just be called psychiatric services. It's the same thing. You have to provide all those services for people to get well. But I found I couldn't run a unit when I was if I tried to give harm avoidance because if opiate addicts knew there was an opiate nearby, they can't concentrate. They can't engage in treatment. Yeah. So, what is your opinion on on harm reduction? What's your take on that? It, it, it's excessive. There's an excessive enthusiasm for it, and. I got into this field because because of an accident. It wasn't wasn't something I trained to do. Mm-hmm. I accidentally got involved, much like you. I got hooked watching people recover, and I was like, "Oh my god, what is that?" And I was interested in seeing people flourish, like fully recover. Right? That's what I'm Positive interested psychology. in. Psychology. Well, yeah, maybe, <laughs> but but it, it's it's you know I I have sort of there's recovery, which is well, there's you know what are our goals in recovery? Just survival? Is that it? Or do we want just not using, or do we want a fully flourishing human being back? I'm interested in the latter. That was what interested me, and so for me, the only way to do that was with abstinence. And I got very good at that. I know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And people that condemn that or say it's too dangerous, I hope to hell they never get drug addiction. Because you know, if you're for if you get drug addiction, this is the kind of treatment I want for you. For the person with multiple diagnoses and no resources and no interest and no family and no nothing out on the street. Well, we're going to have to start with harm avoidance. 
we'll start with that. Right. And, and that hopefully will save their life. And then maybe we can get something else going on here with well, time. I wonder too, I think there's some confusion between people who truly have an addiction, a substance use disorder, and someone who's just a problematic user. Right. So I, I call that uh, drug addict versus drug dependent. Right. 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 So anybody can get drug dependent for them unless they have horrible reactions to the drug. And when Trumpy's drug dependent, they can look like a drug addict. But when they get off the drugs, they're not interested in the drugs anymore. They're like, phew, thank God I got off that. Right. That's not our patients. That's something right. else. And to me, I feel like that's pretty clear cut. But I think people don't, who don't see it on a daily basis don't understand that. Maybe you're going to feel differently than what I'm going to say. Okay. Because you probably have good staff where you work. But, yes. But for the most part, my peers don't understand addiction. Doctors don't understand addiction. They're not trained in it. Okay. They, don't, they don't see what you and I see. They've not sat in the groups. They've not had people over long arcs of recovery. Right. They've not involved themselves in the 12-step and the CBT and the DBT and the, and the entire community of – all the stuff we've been talking about. And as a result, they see their job as save the life. And they, they just – so if I give them this thing, they don't die as frequently. Therefore, I'm going to give them that thing. Which and makes I, and sense I'm done, if you and haven't I'm been done. trained. But – I mean it doesn't again, make sense. But if you haven't been trained – If you haven't then, been trained, it's natural you would feel that way. But my profession is supposed yeah. to understand these things. They're, we're supposed to sit at the top of the heap in terms of helping you do your job. You have to have a deep understanding of addiction or yeah. I'm a hindrance to you. I'm not going to help you manage your patient. I'm going to get in the way of it. Because I'm going to be giving things to them that I, I don't understand. When the patient comes to me and lies at me, I'm not going to realize it. When they right. manipulate and, and bullshit me, I'm going to think, oh, this, what a great patient. He comes back and he pays his bill. He's on time all the time. I just give him Vicodin once in a while. He's fine. He's yeah, like, he, oh, loves, sure. he loves coming here. I mean, I see it all the time. Right, yeah. And, and to be fair, there are a few phys- – I don't want to condemn all my peers, but it's, it's getting worse. Is it? Because the younger ones are, are not seeing it at all. They're even more siloed in their kind of world, mm. their specialty worlds. And this requires a broad spectrum understanding of the human being to get it. Yeah. Fortunately, I don't have that issue at work. I think everyone understands it really, really well. And, and we're really – we communicate all the time. The communication is – just, just so crazy. I, yeah, that's so we know what's well, going key, on with our patients the, at all times. Right, I'm with you. And so, so part of this whole quality thing you and I are talking about, arms must be linked. Yeah, the, the, and they it, are. It has to be like a, a wall of professionals, like with their arms <laughs> locked. And when the patient comes at you and starts saying, Absolutely. name another therapist that you have. Who else? Oh, I don't want to put them well, on, uh, well, on blast. Don't worry. Just give me a name. Just give uh, Jack. So, okay. Jack. <laughs> Sophie, Sophia, Jack said that uh, I can go on pass. And, and, right. The staff splitting? And, and, right. And you know, because you you know exactly what Jack's thinking. You guys all see things the same way. You're going to go, no, Jack did not say that. I know he didn't say that. Oh, yeah. And that's it. As and opposed the look to, of like, as, as, what? A, as opposed to, right. <laughs> How did you know this? Yeah, they, well, sometimes they'll laugh because they, they know they're, what they're up to. Got caught. Um, but, that, but that unity, the other thing that's fascinating, I don't know if you've noticed this, you, I may, maybe I'm going to enlighten you on something that is fun, is that you'll notice how each of your staff has patients they like or they're sort of favorite and, and the staff same and the patients the same way yes. they have some people some people they just i hate i hate yeah, oh, dr yeah. silva and, yeah. but i love jack uh <laughs> and and what, what i learned uh through years of working with a solid team is that our personalities were saying we're, we're saying something about ourselves <laughs> but they were also gave us diagnostic information about the patients what do you mean well, like um, patients that liked me tended to be borderline. Oh. So if they liked me, they would just go, oh, it's got to be borderline. <laughs> and, 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 and they'd get spinny when – literally when I'd step on campus, before they could know I was on campus. And my, my nurse would put up the antenna. Like they somehow <laughs> – they, they pick up that you're, you drove onto the lot somewhere. Oh, man. It's, they're uncanny, uncanny the way they would. Uh, and my nurse, whenever she would go, uh, oh, my God, he's so funny. I love him so much. Sociopath, for sure, 100%. <laughs> and so, so our reactions to the patients and the patients' reactions to us naturally would tell us something. Right. And it and, and was never wrong. It wouldn't, wouldn't be necessarily a diagnostic thing, but you could sort of tell. The, yeah, it's like that interpersonal, what are you picking up on that interpersonal relationship mm-hmm, on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
given that addicts uh, work in such a mm, nonverbal, you know, uh, level oftentimes, and that there are disavowed parts of them running around, traumatized pieces mm-hmm. that they're not connected to. The dissociation, yeah. They're dissociated from or they actually do dissociate and stuff. I'm wondering if you have any sort of uncanny experiences around them. Much like I was saying that Borderlands uncannily know when I would come on campus, even though there's no way they could know. Uh, being around addicts, I just have lots of uncanny stuff. I'm trying to think. I, I can't really think of something off the top of my head, but it's funny that you mentioned Borderline because that's one that I, I particularly struggle with. You don't like them. Yeah, most people don't. <laughs> it's it's tough. hard. They're they, very yeah. hard. Yeah. It's, it's and for some reason, I have lots of patience for them. You know? but, but, I, but, but psychotics, I, I want to call the police right away. Yeah. I, I get I get extremely intolerant. Oh, see, see and I'm paranoid, okay with that. paranoid yeah. and psychotic. I'm I'm like because I just don't like not being able to reason with somebody. It just really gets me. But can you reason with borderline? Oh, if that's if that's what you're into, <laughs> they'll do whatever. You know what I mean? Okay. However, they can manipulate. Okay. They'll, 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 they they won't. They it's won't like come. a giant like mental it's game. A web. Between it's them. a giant web. and it's like a octopus. <laughs> they'll they'll yeah. come phew, come on to you. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't mean come on in any kind of in a provocative way. I mean, they'll just they'll just. Oh no no! I get, get it. under your yeah. skin and stuff, and yeah, start, I think that's I, the I part that, where I just start getting like. See, I find Arr. that a little entertaining. Yeah, but it, but it, but I used to be very not good with it. I used to, I used to feed in when I before I had my own therapy. I would feed into that stuff and try to rescue and all that kind of stuff, and that was disastrous for everybody. Yeah, because it never ends. And no. now, you know, and then eventually you fail them and now you're the worst ever. Yeah. And you're you know? probably repeating some sort of other rescuing relationship that they have right. in their lives. Right. 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 Very inappropriate. My I mean, problem is that I just want to run, run the other direction. That's right. Then, then so I went, here's how I went. <laughs> I went from, I went from feeding in, learning that doesn't work. It's no good. Um, to imagining like a cutout of myself in the wall. <laughs> as I blew out the wall. Yeah. That was, and, and then I found, then I just settled into it and sort of found them kind of entertaining and I would feel bad for them always and yeah you know. yeah but it it's, i get it's hard they can be really 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 rough but <laughs> but again that's this isn't it interesting that our personalities have different fittedness with these different phenomena right and uh oh you know paranoid grandiose paranoid I, I, and my partner the board the bipolars loved him for some reason it's just one of these things is there a group is there a subset of patients that you relate to very strongly or like working with um it kind of depends. You said borderline. I'm sorry, bipolar. And you know, I, I I tend to get along pretty well and do well with with bipolar. Yeah. Um, and the in the trauma work, I, I do I do like doing that kind of work as well. That's everybody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't really say that there's a, a specific group of people. That okay. Is there a specific group that likes you? Can you tell? <sighs> Because keep an eye out, you'll find there there will be, there will be, and you'll be and you'll be able to tell your you know other staff members like oh that must be a whatever yeah uh, because those are the ones that like me for whatever reason right now I actually uh, have I'm gonna, all women on my caseload and that's actually that's not, usually not the case for me and that's going really well I'm actually really enjoying that and I, the issues are different and I feel like I'm connecting with them on a different level so I'm finding that. To be really meaningful. That's amazing. They need you. Thank God. But it, if I find it curious because I'm imagining the majority must have borderline process. <laughs> they, no, they don't actually. Really? Um, I've had. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've so they're f- faced that before. But right now, that's, they're further along in their recovery. Just not the case not right the thing. now. Not yeah, their, not their deal. Not everyone has borderline. And, and it, <laughs> not all well, women but, have borderline. No, but uh, but, uh, but most of them. But most of them come in functioning that way. You yeah. understand that that's the sort of how they're surviving. It's like that. a way to get your needs met. Exactly. Yeah. It goes away for a lot of them, but early on, a lot of them have that. Um, they are further along, I will say that. Yeah, that's what yeah, I imagine. They are, they are further along, further that, along all, in their it's, treatment. It's uncanny almost how much they can, they can fade away some of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, without any treatment, just not using drugs. Mm-hmm. I was I was asking about uncanny, the word uncanny and uncanny experiences because sometimes I will like smell things or I hear music or things that are not me or feel things in my body. If you pay attention, you you'd be surprised. Stuff comes to you, or if you really just just listen, that you'll just go, well, that's not mine. I don't have you know eyebrow pain or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you reflect it back to the patient, just go, I'm wondering if this you know. This they they usually will tell you something. And that's they w- interesting. 
I'm going to use that. Yeah. A lot of wonderment. A lot of, I wonder, <laughs> do you use therapeutic <laughs> wonderment a lot? Um, not as much, but it, it is a good, it, good technique. <laughs> well, especially a tool when you're not, you aren't sure. You're, you're feeling something going, I wonder, I really don't wonder. I wonder if this is meaningful to you and what it means. Yeah. And just kind of let It's just another let piece them of communication. It's just something coming right. away. Any, any particular substance problematic for you or for your program? Uh, but let's let me rephrase it. How's <laughs> meth going? Oh, <laughs> well, it's mostly the opiates and and, and meth. the amphetamines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, except for the older population that we have is is more alcohol. Mm. Right, that's but, good. Yeah, well, <laughs> those are fine. Those are good. Those you can. Yeah, they are. But but the meth is is again that's that paranoid delusional. Mm, yeah, we we see that a lot with with the young adults. Mm. Yeah, we're getting a lot of the opiates and the amphetamines, and it's scary. It's scary how many times some of my clients have overdosed. <laughs> yeah. And do you, do you discharge them with some naltrexone or something? Do they all keep it around? I don't believe we do. Hmm, I want yeah. to talk to the doctor about that. Yeah. At least the family. Yeah. Yeah. And meth, though, uh, you know, meth heroin is a really rough combination because meth has your thinking messed up. So you can't really reason and connect right. to people. And the heroin has your motivational system completely consumed where you feel like you're going to die if you don't use. Right. Even when you're not withdrawing. Is, is that where the people are bolting out mostly? The meth heroin? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, some people don't even make it through detox, right? I mean, the urge is just so strong that you know, there's gonna SAMHSA's coming to Orange County. I'm going to moderate some panels. I, I should get you this information, uh, and they're pushing very hard on these replacement therapies. And I'm going to try to moderate the panels in such a way as to challenge some of that. And I could use some allies in the audience. Yeah, I'm there. So, yeah. I'm there. Tell me when. <laughs> uh, it's a few weeks, like okay. a month maybe. And it should be kind of interesting, actually. Okay. The Department of Justice is coming. And SAMHSA is a good organization, but mm-hmm. they are totally bought into harm avoidance as the way to go. Yeah. And, and I understand why. I, I get it. I get why. I just – it's just they've never seen recovery and they don't know how to do it. Yeah. I, it's, yeah it's just how are you going to – how am I going to address it? No, no. Yeah. How are you going to address it? Tell me. <laughs> By just continually uh, saying is, is you know, well, first of all, the research is all flawed. And so I'll sort of bring that up. Uh, the, the research is all based on very short time frames, like three months or six months. With, with an addiction, is nothing. And, or or uh, patient reporting or unobserved urines, meaningless, meaningless data. Yeah. Totally worthless. And yeah. so the, the very foundational uh, science for their opinions is is not so great. Uh, so I want to address that and I okay. want to address, you know, how you run a unit when patients are spinning like tops and what's wrong with taking some risk if it's trying to restore a life fully. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't they want that if they got addiction, you know, bad addiction? I want to – one of these scientists, you want to go – but again, they're so bought into the idea. They're even advocating replacement for amphetamine now, which has become a thing with psychiatry to give amphetamine addicts Adderall, which is a catastrophe. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have not heard that. So is your physician at the unit a, a psychiatrist? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, 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 some psychiatrists really do get it. It's my part, the, the internists hmm. and stuff that don't get it so well because they just don't see it. Yeah, no. The, the, the psychiatrists we work with have, have – a lot of experience mm. in this field. So, you know, they know what they're doing. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, old-time recovery in your region and a lot of phys- – yes. like three or four physicians that have been working at it for a long yes. time in and around Hogue. You know, the, uh, the, the hospital. Hogue in Newport? Mm-hmm. And yeah. There's people – there are physicians there that do know what we're talking about here. Yeah. I probably might know some of the people I you're bet. talking about. I bet you do. All right. Is there anything else we should be reviewing before I let you go here? I do want to say uh, that we are starting a family support group. Uh, that's something that I'm going to be running. Uh, that's Thursday nights from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. at our Huntington Beach location. For anybody with a family? Yeah, yeah. So like a, almost like it's a community. A free, it's a free support group. Leave your number. You're going to get inundated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they can actually, people can reach out to me uh, through my website at sofiasilva.org or they can even go to hotelcaliforniabythesea.com. Do you have to sign up for it? Can you just show up? People can just show up. Um, it's probably better if they contact us, but people can just show up. Where is um, it? 
It's in Huntington off of Beach Boulevard, Beach in Yorktown. Is it sort of by the freeway? Is that inland? Uh, no, it's at, we're closer to the beach. To the beach. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, that's actually going right now, and that's a new thing that that we're doing, and I'm facilitating it with some of the client advocates that we have. SB six forty, get them all up to Sacramento to yes. scream at their representatives. Yeah. yeah. So I really want to encourage people to take advantage of that because I know I've I've so many of my friends and family members and, and people that my parents work with and whatnot, they're always like, where do people go? Where can we go? Where can we get help? And I've always been frustrated because I just feel like there's, it's tough. <laughs> so this is a resource for people. Yeah. I get these calls all the time and, and it's, uh, and I've been sending people out of state because it's hard to find consistently good places, mm-hmm. but I may refer to your guys. I'll certainly refer to that family program for sure. Uh, and do you do medical detox and all that stuff? Yes. There? So everything, full service. Yeah, detox mm-hmm. all the way out throughout patient. Okay. Yeah. Well, listen, it's good to touch base with you again. Uh, it's, it's fascinating to me how you've – I would not have predicted you to go into the addiction field. <laughs> that wouldn't have been – It was an w- accident. It was for me too. It's sort of how I got involved with it. And one, once you – it's so thrilling when it works. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. keep, it keeps you in it. Yeah, and that's actually the cool thing that the client advocates that we have are people that have long-term recovery. I, I work with a lot of people who have long-term recovery. I mean, I'm talking some people have like 20 plus years and and it's great, you know, it's great to be able to see people go back to like you said flourishing. What's going to happen to you is you're going to, people are going to people you kick out of treatment or you lose from treatment or you have struggle with treatment are going to come up to you 5 years from now and shake your hand and go you know I wasn't ready quite yet but you were giving me the right information I finally got it yeah now I'm I getting so, now I'm yeah. getting this ID and I mean <laughs> I just hope they're okay they don't need to come back to me I just You'll hope be surprised. they're okay yeah, and, you know and it'll it'll get you to the next day you know it gives yeah. you hope for all of them yeah it? yeah well, well, thanks for having me. Pleasure to see you back. It's uh, at Sophia Silva Org is mm-hmm. all the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everything else. Website is hotelcaliforniabythesea.com and sophiasilva.org. Thank you again, and I'll see you all next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com.